in the amicable divorce network, that attorney would be saying, you know what, based on your work schedule, based on how far you guys are going to be living apart or all these other factors, that is not what's best for your children. That isn't a practical result. And we'll be giving realistic advice, which is to the benefit of both parties. Hey, hey, welcome to the WTF Divorce Podcast. My name is Rob Roseman. On this show, we talk about everything divorce, whether you're thinking about divorce, going through it, or figuring out life after. Divorce, co-parenting, dating, we cover it all and break it into short clips so it's easy for you to find and learn from. If you want more help, head on over to WTFDivorce.com. Thanks for listening. On to today's show. Real quick, let's talk about today's sponsor. The WTF Divorce Podcast is sponsored by Our Family Wizard. If you're a co-parent, you know how frustrating it can be constantly going back and forth with your ex about the kids, schedule, and expenses. Our Family Wizard helps keep everything organized in one app, making co-parenting communication less stressful. More about how Our Family Wizard can help in a few minutes, but now on to today's show. All right, welcome to the WTF Divorce Podcast. Today we are lucky to be joined by Tracy Moore Grant. Tracy is a divorce lawyer and the founder of the Amicable Divorce Network, which we will talk about a little bit more towards the end of the show. But uh, thanks for being on the show today, Tracy. Thank you for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. All right. So we always get questions from our audience. So let's just hop right into them. And I'm sure you've heard these before as a divorce attorney. I've heard Um, it all. (laughs) In the middle of my divorce, we have dogs. What is going to happen to the dogs? This is happening more and more because people are waiting to have children or actually they don't get married and they have dogs and then they have a huge problem about what to do. Um, So the first tip that I would give everybody is to not wait to bring up this issue. Um, I happen to now be a pet custody specialist, um, which is a new designation that's out there. And so something that you absolutely have to do is bring this up to any professional that is helping you that it is an issue that needs to be resolved. Um, Over the years, I have had many situations where we are at the negotiating table, we are talking about final offers, we are about to wrap this case up, and then somebody says, oh, but wait, we haven't talked about the dog. And then at that point, things really deteriorate because everybody's, of course, dogs are awesome and they're emotionally attached to the dog. Um, don't see a ton of people fighting over cats, but it's possible. Um, but if this is a, an issue that will come up between you, bring it up early and let's start addressing it. Make sure you tell people this is going to be something to talk about. What does that conversation look like? I come in there. They're my dogs. I want the dogs. <laughs> no, I want the dogs. How do you resolve? You, how, how it's does somebody... just like anything else. I mean, in a divorce, we always have people saying that about the home too. You know, this is my house. I'm not leaving this house. You know, this is my piece of property. I'm not leaving this piece of property. Um, same thing with children. And just like every issue out there that we have in a divorce or um, any sort of family law matter, we have steps to go through to resolve it. So um, through this training, some of the things I learned are about how you can treat different breeds. Um, it, can you have actually a visitation schedule for a dog, how you can figure out if a dog is bonded with one person over another. Um, And so lots of different ways to really get to the facts of the situation and do what's best for the dog. And um, hopefully everybody can move forward peacefully. And the person who doesn't get the dog can maybe rescue another one. 
Is it a common thing? I've seen this uh, with friends where when the kids go, the dog goes, and when the kids come back, the dogs come back. Do you see that a lot? Is there any, you have any issues with that? There are. Um, it's actually really bad for dogs. Um, so dogs are very much um, a home base. There are some breeds that can um, do that a little bit better. And it would also depend as well, is this actually a service dog to one of the children? Is it really bonded to one of the children? Or is it just that the children enjoy the dog? Um, and so you really have to go through some questions and see what is best for that animal. And usually I'd say about 75% of the time, the answer is going to be that the dog needs to stay in their home base. A lot of people who end up doing this um, shuffling back and forth with the dog end up causing a lot of behavioral problems in dogs. You'll see them start getting aggressive, biting, um, acting out in ways that is not normal for a dog in the same way that young kids do. And, you know, things get uprooted. Dogs do the same thing. They just, they can't speak or, um, you know, share their voice. And so um, they're just some factors to look at to see if that's actually good for the pet. So it sounds like bring it up early. Yes. Be open to compromise and you might end up with a new different dog at the end of the day. You might, or like in our situation, um, you might get a um, half blind seizure poodle, you know, so you just never know. So keep your options open. <laughs> All right. Next question. We hear this a lot. Does a judge care or recognize when a parent is bartering custody just to lower child support? Um, so first and foremost, I don't litigate anymore. I'm a non-litigation family law attorney. So my entire practice is on a judge deciding nothing about your family and people taking control of those resolutions themselves. Um, but I can say from my experience, I did litigate for 18 years that judges are pretty savvy. This usually isn't their first day on a family law bench. And they absolutely understand when people are trying to negotiate for more custody or that's their position and are trying to use that as a reason to reduce their child support. Um, judges are very savvy and see this type of situation all the time. How does that look in a mediation or an amicable divorce setup where, you know, your client is telling you this is what's happening? What kind of uh, things can you do to combat that? So that's a different situation because I would say in the amicable divorce network, we have attorneys who are not yes men, so to speak. So if you are in a litigation standpoint, you can hire an attorney to say and to do whatever you want in the court system. They can take any position for you and just throw it all up there and see what sticks. But in the amicable divorce network, that attorney would be saying, you know what, based on your work schedule, based on how far you guys are going to be living apart or all these other factors, that is not what's best for your children. That isn't a practical result. And we'll be giving realistic um, advice, which is to the benefit of both parties. It's to the benefit of the person asking for more custody because the result is they could go to court, spend a ton of money and lose. Um, it's to the benefit of the other party as well, because they're getting that case resolved with actually very realistic um, legal advice and information um, to get them to the finish line. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the amicable divorce option for people. Usually it's one person initiates the divorce. They decide they want to. How would it look? You know, everybody does say they want to keep the expenses lower, get this done quickly. A lot of times it doesn't end up that way. What is the path to an amicable divorce? 
So just like any other divorce, somebody may come upon us and research it and say, yes, I would like an amicable divorce. So what that means is that you reach out to a member of the Amicable Divorce Network. And if you haven't been working with any of our professionals, like a financial professional or a realtor already, um, you can go to our database. And I would recommend starting with an attorney if you're not already working with somebody else in the network. And that's in our membership directory. Um, so we have members all over the United States, the United Kingdom and Canada. And so you can look for somebody in your area. And if you just can't find anybody, you can email us at info at amicabledivorcenetwork.com and we'll try to place you with somebody because we do have a, an approved list of people. And once you make contact with your attorney, what they will do is initiate the amicable divorce process. There's no filing in the court system. Um, we do have to do that in the state of California due to their long um, waiting period. But generally, then you file to say it's an amicable divorce. What we do is you, we send the other party a very nice letter that says an amicable divorce has been initiated. Um, this party um, is asking for a low conflict, efficient, child-focused result. These things are important to them. We think they're important to you too. They get one of our informational booklets that really sets out the process, shows the difference in timeline and cost, and explains that you do have to hire somebody in the Amicable Divorce Network. It's like that matching game. You must have two attorneys in the network to have that amicable match. And the reason for that is um, several. One, only our professionals who are members have been vetted for being experienced. You must have at least five years of experience in every area in which you're a member. You must be resolution focused and we vet people um, to our network, their peers um, recommend them or talk about them and vet them. Um, and you also have to engage in fair billing practices. And so that's really important, I think, to a lot of people approaching a divorce. I mean, if you want a high conflict divorce where somebody financially takes advantage of you, I mean, I don't know who that person is, but don't look in our network. But if you want the opposite result, um, you can enlist one of our professionals. Um, our professionals, we also have an out-of-court process that goes step-by-step step to get you the information you need to be able to resolve your case. So only our members have training on the process. Also, the entire process and information is hosted on a technology platform, which allows people to do budgeting, marital balance sheets, um, all sorts of different things like that and collaborate with professionals and only our members have access to that platform. So there's just several different reasons that that is um, the good, good choice. And usually when we do send that letter, which is, I think, pretty nice, and we've really refined it down, we have at least an 80% chance that the other person, when they get that letter, will hire somebody in the network, even if they get upset, even if they're heartbroken that this divorce has started, usually calmer heads prevail and they say, well, if there's going to be a divorce, I would much rather that we go about it this way. I don't want to just burn my money. And so we will get a divorce amicably and it's, it's very successful. So if somebody has hired a divorce attorney already or, you know, had their consultation and signed with them, is it too late? Or do you see people say, let's scrap this and pivot? It's never too late to be amicable. So, um, I would say, you know, maybe meet with an attorney in the network and one outside the network and compare the differences. Um, but even if you have hired an attorney, even if you've gone down the road of divorce for several months, um, we call it saving cases. And so that has happened many times where parties 
find out about us a few months into their divorce. They're like, if we had known, we would have done it this way. Or they consulted with an amicable attorney but chose the litigation route and then really regret it after a couple of months and a couple of bills and, and see what that experience is like. So we definitely are happy to save cases from litigation. And um, clients, consumers should know that this is always their choice. So if they reach out to an attorney and, you know, then no longer want to work with them, that's their that's their choice and their right to change lanes. They have the absolute right to decide how they want to get divorced. Ideally, though, so we have a lot of people that are in this, I'm thinking about divorce stage. The first step would be to go onto amicabledivorcenetwork.com and connect with the professional before they even tell their spouse they're doing it. Is that is that the best path I, that you advise people? I think people? so. Usually people have a lot of questions and it gives them a lot of peace to meet with somebody and to get those questions answered. People have a lot of fear about the divorce process and rightly so. It's so important. It deals with your home, your finances, your children, where you're going to live, everything, and your dog. And so people um, should take it very seriously. And so I often find clients when they come and have a consult that they say, oh my gosh, I feel so much better um, just because I was able to actually understand what the process could actual, actually be like, because I had all these fears in my head. And so um, learning that information usually makes people feel a lot better. And I like how you encourage people have multiple consultations. You can see what the difference is and you know what the, <laughs> the, the prices might look like on this, because I think that's one of the biggest fears people have is this is going to be expensive. This is going to get ugly. This is going to drag on forever. Absolutely. And Rob, I can send it to you for anybody that's listening, but I've created a checklist that people should take into their consults to ask questions. And ironically, I've had people bring it into consults with me. Maybe they don't understand that I created it. I'm not sure. But it's questions that you should ask and information that you can convey, because I've been doing this almost 22 years. And I have very never, I guess, had people ask the right questions. I have very rarely been asked how I bill my time, if I have minimum billing requirements. And, you know, I always ask clients, what is your budget for your divorce? What can you afford to spend? And when they give me that number, that isn't a blank check for me to get to that number. But sometimes they will say, oh, it's, you know, $3,000 and we need a small business valuation. And, you know, we have all these very complex issues. And so I think that's important for people to understand because when you go into an attorney and you're angry and you want all these things done, they're going to do all of that. But there's a price tag associated with each action that they do. And the price tag is financial. It's also emotional. Um, and so it's important to be on the same page with whoever you choose to work with as an attorney that your expectations and your budget are the same for what you can realistically hope to obtain. How do you want to be at the end of the divorce? Do you want to be living in a tent um, or do you <laughs> want to be able to qualify for a new mortgage? You know, so there's very different um, ways to approach that problem. That's a smart way to do it. You're kind of reverse engineering. How much do you mm -hmm. think this is going to cost? What do you want? And then we can figure out how we can get there instead of what most of us do 
We sign with somebody, the lawyer drives the train, sends us bills, it goes on forever, and nobody's happy at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Make so your expectations about- known. You know, when you go to a consult, be you know, that's something I always advise people they should say. My budget is this. My expectations are this. Is that realistic? Have that conversation. Just even knowing that checklist, those three questions to ask a divorce attorney is mm-hmm. so important because you there is not a bigger knowledge gap than like, I want a divorce to I'm talking to a lawyer to get a divorce. You've probably never done it before. You're mm-hmm. emotionally charged. So the, this education aspect for people is something that we really uh, prioritize here. And how about for uh, divorce professionals, lawyers that are listening, realtors, mortgage brokers, what benefits are there for them to become part of the Amicable Divorce Network? Well, if they meet our criteria, five years of licensure, they're resolution focused, and they engage in fair billing practices, they can apply for membership. It's on our website under member resources and application. A current member can also recommend somebody for membership if you endorse your colleague. And the benefits are um, vast. Um, Well, first you um, get a benefit with WTF divorce, and that's just awesome. Um, But we have lots of membership benefits where um, people get a certain percentage off another service, um, where they get listed in our database, of course, which is being accessed internationally by clients as well as other professionals to send referrals because we're now getting very recognized for being a vetted pool of professionals worldwide. So members just go on there. Oh, I have a case, but it's actually, you know, in Ohio, I want to go look for a vetted attorney in that area. So we can see people accessing it um, for those reasons all over the world. And that's just really exciting to see, to have that level of trust. Um, We have chapters um, that are popping up everywhere. And so if there happens to be one in your area, you can take advantage of in-person events, um, happy hours, luncheons, things of that nature. Um, Our members are also invited to become a certified amicable divorce professional, a CADP. And that training will be next year in Nashville and at the Graduate Hotel. And it's an in-person immersive training for um, professionals. And it's interdisciplinary. It's not just for um, attorneys. It's for everybody to Um, go on the roadmap to resolution. So we go through a divorce from start to finish, bring up roadblocks like a mortgage or a mental health crisis or things of that nature and teach our professionals how to amicably resolve those issues um, and get the case resolved without ever going to court. You see more and more how much of a team effort divorce is, you know, from a personal standpoint, but also a professional. And I guess having the ability to work with trusted, vetted other professionals that you can just hand off to and get referrals from seems like a a huge benefit. Absolutely. I think the smartest thing a client can do is recognize that their attorney doesn't know everything. (laughs) And I think the smartest thing an attorney can do is recognize they don't know everything. And so if somebody is asking me what's going to happen with the marital home, um, I don't know, you know, so my answer is, well, let's see what your financing options are, because legally we have the option of you're going to keep it, you know, they're going to keep it, or we're going to sell it or refinance it. Those are legal options. But when they take their information to a mortgage broker, that person might say, uh, you do not qualify for this thing that you signed up for. So we always enlist a certified divorce lending professional to give them that great advice before we sign a binding agreement. 
love our mental health professionals to help every member of the family during this time, coaches, financial professionals to help people, um, you know, get everything that they need in line and informed. And um, of course, all of our real estate mortgage professionals to help people. So we, we try to have a professional for any problem that the parties could have, that we have somebody in the network that can help solve that problem. Yeah, it seems like, you know, just as long as you've been practicing the, the divorce world, the divorce process has, has come a long way. I know it gets a bad rap from people that say, oh, divorce lawyer, they're just going to take everything. But mm -hmm. it seems like there is a better way to go about this now. You just have to, you know, dig into it a little and discover it. Yeah, I think when people get more information, they'll make better choices. And so, you know, I really appreciate people like you putting this information out there um, because people often don't understand that it's their choice how they want to get divorced. They do not have to go that litigation route. You have options. And so explore what those are and understand what's best for you and your family. All right. A couple more questions we have here. Will I be denied from moving away because my co-parent would no longer have 50-50 visitation anymore? So um, again, this is a litigation question as far as the framework of what a judge would do in this situation. And really, I would say it depends. Um, I'm assuming what they're asking is they want to move from whatever area they are in, and it would be impossible for the other parent to have 50-50 custody. And so in that situation, the judge looks very closely at why are you moving? Um, you know, if it's for a um, job opportunity, um, things of that nature, if um, that the judge likes and is um, usually pretty friendly to that type of move. If it's just, I want to live in this other state, I've always wanted to live there. Um, that probably won't be received as well. So the judge will really look at um, what are those factors and what's the distance? You know, does it mean can't do 50-50 custody, but can visit on the weekends, you know, it might be a longer drive, but can come to those events? Or do the kids have to get on a plane to now see the other parents? So all of these factors get into play with a relocation case. And when it is done, you know, through mediation, through Amicable Divorce Network, if somebody is worried that their parent is just going to take another job up and move, I think that's a fear a lot of people have going through divorce. What is there some peace of mind that like somebody just can't up and do this without them being on the same page? Yeah, the parent, the person, the adult can go anywhere um, in Georgia, at least. And that's the only state I can really speak to. They can't take the kids um, for a permanent move. And so in Georgia, we have um, language that's in all settlement agreements that says if you intend to move, you must give the other party written notice. And it's generally 30 days in advance of that move. And so they would be in contempt of court if they didn't do that. So if you get that email and it says, I'm planning to move to Valdosta, Georgia on this date, and you're not agreeable to that, you then have the opportunity to file in the court system to stop it if they haven't already filed to modify parenting time. Because if you do have this 50-50 and they move outside of the bubble of where that's possible, they are actually in contempt of court for not uh, producing the children on a 50-50 schedule. So um, the court takes that very seriously and they really like to um, have their thumb on those types of cases because they really want to make sure kids are taken care of. And is that something that is almost always written into the agreement? There's a in Georgia, 20 mile radius. I can't speak to other states, but in Georgia, that's standard language. Got it. 
Uh, next question. Now, I will say when people do it themselves, <laughs> that's not in the standard language. An attorney prepared paperwork would have that. But when people DIY their divorce, they miss a lot of these types of provisions that attorneys put in agreements. Do I have to pay for a first consultation with a divorce lawyer? Every attorney is different about this. I do charge for consultations. And the reason for that is that I'm with a firm and um, my firm handles uh, criminal defense, wills and probate, guardian ad litem. I'm a mediator. I'm a parent coordinator. I'm an arbitrator. And so when we meet with somebody and render legal advice to them, um, I could never even be their mediator in a case. And so um, it's very important um, to make sure that we preserve that attorney-client relationship because even if they decide not to hire me, nobody in my firm could ever represent anybody against them ever. Um, and so it really removes, especially in a smaller town like we are in, you know, the opportunity to serve in other roles in a case or in a different type of legal matter. So I do charge for um, my consults for that reason, because then um, people are serious who are coming in. And I also am usually triaging their case and giving them legal advice right there in the moment. And, um, you know, I'm a lawyer. That's what I do. Is that something you advise people is to get consults from multiple attorneys? I do. If... And a lot of times I will see, you know, people call our office all the time and they'll say, oh, well, so-and-so offers free consults. And, you know, what people don't understand is a lot of times if you um, are getting a free consult, it is actually a phone call with a paralegal. It is not, you're not actually getting the attorney's time. Um, and that does not conflict the firm out from representing your spouse because they're having you speak to a staff member. So it's just sort of a way to get you in the door. Or if you are meeting with an attorney, it's generally like a, a phone call for like 10 minutes or maybe 15 minutes. And that's sort of how they're trying to get people in the door. But it usually just isn't enough time to really see if you mesh with that attorney, if you like their legal advice, and for them to really understand your situation and render good information. So um, be wary of the free consult because you get what you pay for. All right. Last question here. What do you do when a co-parent will not respond to any of your messages? So first, um, hopefully you are using a program like Our Family Wizard, um, which is an amazing co-parenting app. And when you use the program, Our Family Wizard, it is going to show when you send a message, just like a text message, it's going to be date stamped and timed. It is also going to show when it's read or that it's never read. So if your co-parent is opening those messages, but is passive aggressively deciding not to respond, it's going to show you that in our family wizard, um, that information can be downloaded for an attorney if needed. And it'll show you um, all of the great data um, that you need. If you are just text messaging the other person and they are just a stone wall, um, I always advise my clients to do what you're supposed to do. If your job and you have, you have joint legal custody and you are supposed to be informing the other parent of, let's say, an elective medical issue, your um, son, Johnny, it it's been recommended that he gets braces. And so your obligation is to reach out to the other parent and say, you know, Dr. Smith recommended that Johnny get braces and the cost is going to be this, and they want to put the braces on in four weeks and blah, 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 whatever information you need to convey. 
And um, if they don't respond, they don't respond. But you should be doing everything that you are supposed to do um, to show that you're in compliance with the court order, that you're conveying the information you're supposed to convey. And um, they're just not responding. But do do the right thing and you can't go wrong. Thank you so much, Tracy. Let people know where they can find you. Sure, you can go to amicabledivorcenetwork.com and you can find me in the membership directory under Georgia. And if you want to reach out to me um, directly, um, my firm is Patterson Moore Butler and we are located in Forsyth County and Dawson County, Georgia. Um, you can also email me directly at tracy at amicabledivorcenetwork.com. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. The WTF Divorce Podcast is sponsored by Our Family Wizard. If you're a co-parent, you know how frustrating it can be constantly going back and forth with your ex about the kids, schedules, and expenses. Our Family Wizard helps keep everything organized in one app, making co-parenting communication less stressful. Here's Maddie to explain how Our Family Wizard changed her co-parenting life. Before Our Family Wizard, my co-parent and I were constantly arguing. We disagreed on the cost of our kids' activities. We would fight over whose turn it was to pick up our daughter from school. We had absolutely no boundaries. Our Family Wizard has not only improved communication between us, but it has also saved my sanity. We use the shared calendars, expense tracking, and secure messaging on a daily basis. The ability to coordinate and share important information, plus manage expenses, has stopped the confusion and the fighting. This allowed us to put all our focus back on just enjoying the quality time we have with our kids. Join more than 1 million parents and family law professionals who trust Our Family Wizard. Go to www.ourfamilywizard.com WTF and get free co-parenting tips and insights from family law and mental health experts. That's www.ourfamilywizard.com WTF to get started today.